where we relive the past one horrible year at a time. We start the countdown, the ball drops, and we say goodbye 80s, hello 90s. In 1990, a new decade began while still retaining the vibrant culture of the 1980s. It was the year of political shifts. With George H.W. Bush as U.S. President overseeing the end of the Cold War and the beginning of the Gulf War. Culturally, rap careers like MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice rose and faded quickly. The Simpsons debuted its first season. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made their big screen debut, and guest Levi's jeans became a popular fashion trend. Nickelodeon became its own original kids' network. The Hubble Space Telescope was launched, and Tim Berners-Lee established the World Wide Web. However, a recession was beginning. This was the year 1990 in a nutshell. I'm your host, Nick. I'm your equally horrible co-host, Dan. Uh, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. We picked a beautiful day to be indoors. All right, well... <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah. think of anything better I'd rather do it on a uh, 90 degree beautiful summer day. Than... See, now this is, this is what a horrible year. Yeah. Not, not, not what a horrible day. We're not talking about your day. <laughs> We're talking about what a horrible year it was, and it, we're, we're getting on 1990. Uh, what do you remember about 1990? How old were you? So I was born in 81, so I was nine going on 10. Nine going on 10. All right. I, I think I remember being uh, six years old, or at least turning six. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, I got to say, the, the, the funny thing about 1990 is that might have been the first year I've actually started noticing uh, anything in pop culture or really anything uh i think because i think it was because it was the first year that i started going to uh kindergarten and you know that's and you you're exposed to other kids you yeah. know and that was kind of like the first time i actually saw what was cool what everybody was into and i just remember everybody singing ice ice baby <laughs> and having snap bracelets and all that stuff and you know and and what was my day like as a six-year-old? Well, you know, you just go to kindergarten, you come home, watch cartoons all night. I think I pretty much stuck to Nickelodeon. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure I stuck to Nickelodeon, but that was my day. You know, I, other, I didn't really experience a whole lot out, outside of that realm, you know, uh, at six years old. But I knew about certain things in pop culture, you know. Um, what do you remember, really? I remember at nine, like, I had a very religious family, and I, so I had to sneak and watch MTV, and every time I did, it would be something incredibly weird in 1990 to be like, uh, what's it, Sinead O'Connor would be on there doing a weird dance, or mm. Billy Idol would be, like, smashing through a, a church window on a motorcycle. <laughs> Billy every time Idol. I turned it on, it would be something just like, oh, this is why I'm not allowed to watch Rock this. Rock the Cradle of Love? Yeah. Well, that video, he wasn't in that video. He was just so patent in that video. If I remember right, because he broke his arm or something. All right. Well, let's get into this, folks. Let's uh, let's start with the economy of 1990. All right, folks. Uh, well, let's see. Who was president at the time? I, I think I mentioned it in the intro. Uh, George H.W. Bush. Uh, and uh, vice president was Dan Quayle. Yeah. Famous for not knowing how to spell potato. <laughs> That's his lasting legacy is, <laughs> oh, the potato guy. Pot- 
Potato guy. Potato guy. He, he doesn't know how to spell potato? Yeah, that was a thing. I, I did not put a, know put that. Put an E at the end. Never lived it down. Here we are talking about it, was it 33 years later? <laughs> oh, man. The boy wrote the word correctly, but Mr. Quayle wasn't satisfied until he had added an E. You write phonetically, but what else? There you go. Okay, let's see. What was the population at the time? Let's see. 249 million. 438,712 and life expectancy at in 1990 was 75.4 years so it's yeah it's so much higher now it's only been I think it's actually gotten lower really I heard it got lower I mean maybe I'm wrong I could be wrong uh, go ahead and email me on that one folks uh, just let's just skip right to unemployment it's about uh, 5.3 percent I'd say uh, let's see. Federal minimum wage. Let's talk about that. It was raised. In 1990, it was actually raised to $3.80. you imagine? Like, I, I think I just saw a meme recently. This is because we're talking about this, recording this in uh, 2023. Uh, <laughs> I saw a meme recently that uh, there was a McDonald's that was 21 an hour. 21 an hour for this. I don't know where this McDonald's is located. I'm assuming on the West Coast or in places where it, it, cost of living is just outrageous. Which is, could be anywhere. It, which is, <laughs> it could be anywhere, but it's, it's somewhere where a McDonald's is paying people 21 an hour to, to, that's crazy. But like, that's what McDonald's would have done. They would have probably paid you $3.80 an hour if you were like 14 in like 1990, I think. I don't know if they would have let you. I don't know. The laws could have been different, but I'm pretty sure that you could work at 14 in 1990. And the sad thing is you can make $3 an hour and still make a living. Like, uh, Let's see. Now, if you were going to buy a new house, the average cost of a new house was $123,000. $123,000. Now it's like half a million. Yeah. More, more than actually, uh, wow, <laughs> a hundred. And so the average income was $28,960, uh, on average, that's what people brought home. And now I think if you want to even remotely live it, it uh, it's like what, uh, maybe 75,000 a year is 75. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, that would probably be. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Now, <laughs> here's what's really going to make you mad. A lot of people that rent, because a lot of people rent right now. Um, you have to. <laughs> you kind of have to, right? And right now in 2023, people are paying like 2000 something bucks uh, a month. Rent in 1990 on average was $465 a month. Well, just like 20 years ago, it was like that. It's like, like now we're paying four months yeah. worth of rent in, from 1990. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Gallon of gas, dollar thirty-four. See, I remember like back in the day, with, like people freaking out, like, "Oh my God, gas is over a dollar now." Yeah, we're not yeah. gonna be able to afford anything because gas is. I remember my parents saying, "Oh my God, gas is getting expensive. Gas is getting expensive." Because forever and it was like seventy cents, sixty cents. I think I might have started driving in two thousand two, so I think gas might have been up to a dollar fifty then. But yeah, gas is just absolutely outrageous how much it is now, but it just keeps going up. Um, now, an IBM PS1 computer, that ranged from about $1,000 to $2,000. Uh, 
do you even know what a IBM PS1? That was like a one piece, like was that the monitor built into that and everything? What would your ideal home computer be like? Easy to use, for sure. Yet it'd have the power to run business software without an overpowering price. It'd be simple to set up, with popular options already included. If somebody zeroed in on a unit that perfect for the family unit, it'd really be something. Something exactly like the PS1. A new kind of computer from IBM. With PS1, IBM brings it all home. CPU was like 10 megahertz or whatever. Um, memory uh, ranged from 512 kilobits to 2.5 megabytes. So, um, you know, I mean, a single JPEG picture is how much? Like, it, like way more than that. I, I I bought a MacBook maybe a few years ago, and I, I spent like two thousand dollars. And the thing is. That's worth like like the, what you can do with uh with with a MacBook now, you know. <laughs> As opposed to one you got for the like, same price. Spend, yeah, I mean that that price is outrageous. But the the whole idea of having a, a personal computer in your own home was was classy. It was kind of not like I mean like it was a rich thing, you know. Yeah. Like oh, I've got the convenience of typing up something that I need, and oh, I'll just go ahead and print it out over here, like. A lot of people did not have that, and just to have that convenience, that way people had their people were starting to have their own home office at that point. And this was like before Windows. This is before Windows actually became a thing, and everybody had a PC. Right. Uh, no, but yeah. Computer was like that. Where it was just a black screen with green writing. Like, what are you typing this? <laughs> I'll tell you this right now, folks. Um, but I wouldn't. I don't think anybody really bought this thing. And I'll tell you why, because it was the start of a recession and about 7.9 million people were unemployed and it was a 6.3% unemployment rate and it was only about to get worse, folks. <laughs> why don't we, uh, let's move on to history. Good evening and welcome to the most comprehensive review of the events of 1990 on cable. Tonight. All right, folks. Uh, one of the things, let's see, one of the big stories, let's talk about it right here. The end of the Cold War. We saw the reunification of East and West Germany and the dissolution of the Soviet Union. All thanks to David Hasselhoff. Thank you, Dave's, David Hasselhoff. Yes, this is all thanks to David Hasselhoff. Um, how look I it up, it folks. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's real. I didn't, I didn't look at that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. Uh, it, it's exactly how it happened. I mean, this is why uh, the German people absolutely love David Hasselhoff. If you don't know, the Germans absolutely love David Hasselhoff. They all join hands, all in a circle, all around the Hoff. You've heard all... of join hands across America. Yeah, it they join hands across Germany for David Hasselhoff. I've been looking for freedom. I've been looking so in the power of David Hasselhoff, just brought down the walls. The walls of Jericho. Yep. He's singing like he hit the high note and it just brought the whole. I he think did, that's yeah. what happened. Uh, Reagan was like, tear down this wall. And he was talking directly to Hasselhoff when he said that. He, exactly. Even though he clearly said Mr. Gorbachev right before that, he was really secretly talking it to is. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> All right. So here's the next piece of news that we definitely got to talk about and we're probably going to dive into, really. Uh, Nelson Mandela was freed in 1990. Did he, though? It's not how I remember. See, it, this is exactly what I'm about to dive into. This is what's <laughs> great. Uh, and apparently he later became the president of South Africa. Uh, 
I think I'm pretty sure that I live in the universe where Nelson Mandela did not die in the in the 80s in prison. Uh, so you are from the universe where Nelson Mandela died in the 80s. Would you say? No, but <laughs> okay. but I've heard. All right. I need so for people who don't know what the hell we're talking about right now. This is. Uh, we're talking about something called the Mandela Effect, and this actually started with Nelson Mandela dying in 2013. Okay, but he uh, was freed in 1990 and became the president of South Africa. Now, uh, a lot of people remember uh, him dying in prison, and uh, a lot of people will tell you that they, they absolutely saw it happen, or I don't know how they claim these things, but they said they saw it happen, or that's this is how they, they remember the it. Somewhere this is, this or... is it's, it's people will vehemently uh, defend what they remember but when it comes to this thing. But before you can like just Google it, like oh he's still alive. Like that was right. like you heard. This is what I I I've, I'm one of those people that fully believe that yeah you just you're just misremembering. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, this term was uh, coined by a paranormal enthusiast, Fiona Broom. And she has written apparently several books on this subject. Really, I didn't know yeah. a, a single person then. But it really starts with Nelson Mandela dying in uh, 20, 2013, and that's how people really recognize, like, hey, uh, something ain't right here. Um, didn't you and I guess the theory. There's also this uh, theory out there. Supposedly, <laughs> um, there was this experiment in the 80s somewhere, and some someone made the. Uh, multi-universes that parallel our universe that mirror each other you know how that multiverse thing works somehow they're all converging and and that's what people some people believe that this whole Mandela effect thing is is the reason why people are remembering different things is because the we're, we're living different universes have have converged with each other uh, so what are some other examples of people that think that they live or come from a different universe. Right. Uh, do you, <laughs> Berenstein Bears. That was my first one. Like, how do you pronounce Berenstein? I've always uh, said Berenstein. It's Berenstein. It's Berenstein. I specifically. To this day, I refuse to say it though. <laughs> I specifically remember my teacher in first grade actually correcting me on Berenstein and saying Berenstein. I was never my so entire I life. I knew that there, uh, we, we were saying it incorrectly, but everybody said Berenstein. Bears. Yeah. Everybody said Everybody. it. It was just something that we just all did. Nobody cared if it was correct or not. That I, and I think that's why people remember it so hard. Although I, the only proof that I've seen is this one VHS tape where it's spelled uh, with an A at the on the the front label, but then the top label on the VHS is, is uh, with an E. And, and how many people had that that one VHS? And people are holding <laughs> on to that one, like. A typo can't possibly exist there. I mean, I'd be, I would believe you if it was the uh, Berenstain logo, actual logo with the graphics and everything. Uh, what are some other ones? Uh, apparently, there's uh, the Star Wars quote that everybody goes back and forth on. Uh, it, everyone believes it's Luke, I am your father, but apparently it's no, I am your father. Yeah, and it's interesting, like how that started. I, I, why do why do people I don't I, I mean there's a bunch of misquoted I, I understand why people would say Luke I am your father when quoting Star Wars because no one would know what the flying fuck you would be talking about if you were talking about like if you just no I am your father if you just go around and say that I'd be like what what like Maury Povich like no you, you gotta say 
Luke, I am your father, of course. And of course, I think people are thinking about Tommy Boy. Yeah. Where Tommy. But it's before that, or, though. Or but Chris Tommy Farley. Boy said it because it was so common to say that. Yeah. It, it, and, and yeah, Chris and Farley and Tommy said Boy it, is sitting there yeah, in front did of that a desk fan yeah. saying, Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> David Spade. I've interrupted Happy Time. Uh, mono- okay, how about the Monopoly guy, Rich Uncle Pennybags? Does he have a monocle? That's crazy. He does not. But I, you, you, you don't. You, you always thought he had a monocle. I swear. So I that's the universe you're from. Yeah. <laughs> swear. Yeah, the freaking monocle. Uh, so uh, I'm reminded of Ace Ventura when nature calls, uh, because in that movie the guy has a monocle. So I, you know, I, yeah. I can definitely think that's what people are remembering because that was such a great reference, and that was the only real joke about the Monopoly guy ever. Thanks for. I'm trying to think of who else had the monocle. Maybe Mr. Peanut or Mr. Peanut had a monocle. He had a monocle. Man, you gonna now you got me thinking. Okay, now uh, I'm gonna see, now I'm really gonna see which universe you're from. <laughs> Is it sex in the city or sex and the city? It's not in. <laughs> Many people believe it's sex in the city, but it's actually sex and the city. I. I mean, I know. Well, the fact I know I'm, you've seen it all. Yeah, you see, you binged it. You know. Oh, absolutely. So, but but you're but you believe it's in. <laughs> I'm related to Sarah Jessica Parker, and I still believe it's in. Are you? Yeah. That's not a real. No. No, it's a you're, real thing. You're related. Look at her face. Look at my face. Because soon as someone brought it up, I look at her like. Holy shit, she looks just like me. <laughs> oh my god. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm the one doing all these horse jokes. I'm like, I am making fun of my family member that looks just like me! That seems uh, stable. Oh, wait. Yes. Yikes. Ah! <laughs> uh, Curious George's tail. There is no tail. There is no tail, that is but right. You Correct. You swear you could picture him like hanging off a tree with his tail. That doesn't exist. Uh, Pikachu's tail. Uh, apparently, many remember Pikachu's tail. Uh, as a black tip tail. However, Pikachu's tail does not have a black at the end. Huh. Yeah. Is it like his evolved form that has it? or? It, uh, uh, see, that's what I think people are remembering. Yeah. I see that happen. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Kit Kat, the, the, the candy bar, Right. does it have a hyphen? Yes. No, it no, does not. No, it doesn't. Fruit of the Loom. Damn. Fruit of the Loom. Does it have that cornucopia behind the fruit? No. Is no. There, is there a cornucopia in there? No. There okay. is not a cornucopia. People a lot of people really believe that they've seen the cornucopia behind the, the fruit. Now, in the commercial, do they come out of a fucking cornucopia? No. Like see, see, you know what I think people are remembering? What? Uh, their grade school class decorations. <laughs> That's yeah. what I think that they're remembering. <laughs> because that was literally the only time I think I've ever seen cornucopias. Why are they so prevalent in schools? I don't understand. Uh, I, I, I don't get it. It's just, de- I mean, it was just the same old decoration over and over again. But we never once had a cornucopia at Thanksgiving. No, not yeah. not once have I ever. You'll never see one out in a while. It's always in a school, and and we both had you know re- religious parents, so I don't see you know <coughs> where where's the cornucopia? Yeah, the cornucopia does not exist, folks. Not at least not in the fruit of the loom uh, logo. Here's another one which I keep hearing, um, which I don't agree with. 
we are the champions. Uh, apparently, the last line is we are the champions and not of the world. There's no of the world in there? Apparently at the end of the song. Yeah. At the end. Right. Right. But there is in the song of the world. Wait. Yeah. At the end. It says at the end. Ending with of the world. But I'm pretty sure I've heard of the world like a million times in the song. Right? No. I, I, I don't know. Just, I are, know we, are we making that up? I don't even know now. I, I, I might have just mandela myself just <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, Jif and Jiffy Peanut Butter. Which is it? It just is Jif. It is Jif. That's right. Because yeah, I Jiffy think people are thinking pop. of Skippy Peanut Butter. Skippy, yeah. Skippy, and they're thinking Jiffy. Why not? Jiffy. Or, and they're, uh, maybe they're thinking, oh, Jiffy Pop? Jiffy Lube? I mean... But if you said get to Jiffy, they probably know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, of course. Right of course. Uh, another Star Wars one, C-3PO's leg. Apparently many remember Star Wars droid being entirely gold, uh, but he actually has one silver leg. Yeah, and you know, recently you watch it back like, oh shit. Now, now here's one that people I see all the time online, and I, and I laugh every single comment that at fully 100% believes this, but Sinbad as a genie named <laughs> Shazam. People vehemently defend what they believe that they saw. They believe they saw uh, Sinbad in a genie outfit doing his thing. But I always see different, uh, you know, pictures, uh, different uh, theories of what, picture. <laughs> what they think they saw or whatever. Uh, I grew up in the 90s, so I know what the hell we saw. Yeah. And it was Shaq cashing in on his star fame and he was a genie named Kazam. But people will still say, yeah, yeah, that movie exists too. But I'm telling you, Sinbad was a genie in a movie. And then people talk about previews for the movie on the, uh, the movie First Kid. I, I see all kinds of stuff for this. I don't, like, uh, there, there, he did do this one video for like college humor or like uh, yeah, Funny yeah, yeah, or Die yeah. or something like that, where he did play Shazam uh, again. Where just he to make it just, work. Just, and just it made to it look old, just it. so people can like clip it and like, yeah. oh, look at this. <laughs> and, and, um, I'm still but, holding but on people hope took for a, that clip and, and, and they made it like kind of like, like it was like a secret bootleg video or something yeah. because it's blurry enough. Yeah, it looks like an old VHS. And they try to tell you, see, this is the one, this is the one. <laughs> and I, you know what I think that they're remembering is, uh, I think they're remembering Sinbad's uh, style because his style kind of reminds me of a genie. The, yeah. the satin and the silk and the pants and all that stuff. Oh, thanks, MC Hammer. Yeah, 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 <laughs> dude. So, all about loud, giant. Now... Now I'm gonna get on the next one here. Yeah, this one, this one, I this is the one that makes me think that I'm not from this universe. Everything else I've had an explanation for, but this is the yeah, one like kick out, like, right, that wrong, kills but... me, that gets to me, gets under my skin, that makes me go, "Was it really like that?" But I've looked it up, and even then, I'm thinking, "Well, I guess it's an easy mistake, right?" But at the same time, I'm like, "Well, I could have sworn I saw certain commercials. I could have sworn I saw certain." Uh, Pieces of mail, and if you know where I'm getting at, it's Publishers Clearinghouse. Publishers effing clearing house. Ed McMahon. Okay, now, now, if this is the first time that you're hearing this, folks, okay, brace yourselves. Okay, 
brace yourselves, okay? Ed McMahon has nothing to do with Publishers Clearinghouse. You ask anybody on the street, what do you remember about Publishers Clearinghouse? The first thing I, they say, yeah. Ed McMahon. It's showing up with a giant world. check, balloons, everything. Uh, that's, that's what I think, I, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Yeah. No, no connection whatsoever to Publishers Clearinghouse. So now you're probably sitting here, if you're listening to this, you're sitting here, what the fuck did I just see? What did I see that entire time? You're, you're telling me that we all remember this? And it, it. So apparently Ed McMahon is part of something called Family or American Family Publishers. And it's very similar. Apparently Dick Clark was involved in this too. Um, it was very similar to Publishers no Clearing way. House. But all I just... Right. What, I know what, I see no white balloons at somebody's house. 100%. You can't... You, I'll die on the hill. I've seen it. I, I, I remember seeing a commercial. I, I do. I have watched every single commercial that anybody has on the internet over it. So there is this one theory that you do see this one old guy that kind of has similar uh, features to Ed McMahon with the with the glasses and no. everything, and he's outside and he's waving to everybody, and he's actually part of the family. He's not part of uh, the, the crew that you know presenting this them. family as the winners. Yeah, of this uh, of uh, all this money. What really makes me sad, folks, is. Um, I had a Nana that loved buying from Publishers Clearinghouse because she really wanted to get that giant check. Um, and she definitely believed 100% that Ed McMahon, McMahon was, was part of that. The house. <laughs> what, what, what's really weird, all right, is um, when we were clearing out my, uh, my Nana's house um, and all this stuff, and we were all, you know, we're all taking a piece of things, you know, and she had a bunch of magnets on her fridge, and we we're all like, yeah, you know, we'll take this, I'll take that, or whatever. Uh, my brother ended up getting this one. He got the magnet of Ed McMahon uh, that says, look for Ed, and it's like this weird, bizarre, like, kind of animated sort of, like, the animation's like uh, Take On Me, Aha, uh-huh. yeah. like that pencil drawing sort of of Ed McMahon smiling, but like the circle behind him that, you know, his head, his cartoon head rests is like this kind of Japanese bonsai sort of striped sort of thing. Like it's this bizarre thing. And it says, look for Ed. And I'm like, this magnet should be in a cursed museum. <laughs> like, look for Ed. But she thought. I think it's an envelope of something. With Ed I could have sworn I've seen his face on the envelope. Yes. I could have sworn I've seen it too. But. It's it's Don't not folks. It's 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 really not. Uh, yeah, that's the one that that messed me up the most. But yeah, my nana fully believed that Ed McMahon was part of this. That in fact, even in her eulogy, uh, uh, one of my cousins uh, spoke about how Ed McMahon would be there, you know, waiting for her at the pearly <laughs> gates. You know, and I'm just like, we. It kills me, man. It kills me. Yeah. Just, uh, like my nana been had, bro. I think we should sue. I'm all saying. Been had. All right, so let's move on to the next thing. We really took a deep dive on that one. Um, Dr. Kevorkian's machine was first used in 1990. The suicide machine. The suicide machine. The name of my finisher in wrestling. I'm, I'm going to be straight with you folks. As, that, as controversial as that was at the time, um, I think that, that that is going to change uh, in life, uh, in our society. I think one of these days we're going to be uh, allowed to end people's pain yeah. legally. Uh, I think that's what's going to change. In that time, that was very there, controversial. Though, yeah. Because it was murder, technically. Oh, yeah, no. Back then, it, it was a strip. Like, they listed them with, like, every serial killer there is to put Kavokin right there. It's like, but it's not. Yeah. 
I mean, the man, and if you've ever seen the man uh, sit on the stand, he fully admits what he, 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 yeah. he was doing, 100%. Uh, and so while he might get looked at as a criminal in 1990, there might be a day where he might get looked at as a hero and uh, a pioneer, so to speak, I guess. Uh, here's some other bad news. <laughs> An earthquake hit Iran, 7.7 on the Richter scale, and it killed 50,000. That's crazy. Cause it goes uh, up to 10, and that's only like, you know, it's not even up there. Some, some more Middle East news here. Uh, Saudi Arabia bans women from driving. Uh, and apparently there are a, a group of women protesters driving around in uh, act of defiance uh, to the government ban of women driving cars. And they were arrested and banned from their job and weren't allowed to travel. <laughs> Good job. If I could be sexist for a second, though, did the, did the access drop significantly after that? <laughs> Did insurance go way down? I have no idea how that works over there. But I do know, uh, I think believe, I believe since 2017, women have been able to drive over there since then. So things have changed since then, but that is when things changed And your premium went straight to hell. Thanks, ladies. Uh, and let's move over to the Gulf War here. Um, Iraq invades Kuwait. And this is what leads to the Gulf War. Yeah. Uh, so that's... That's fun. So back then, Middle East was a shithole, and now... I, I had an older brother that went to, uh, who went to Iraq, so... Do you have any of the Iraq War trading cards? Trading cards? Yeah. There's trading cards? Oh, my God. It's like this thing on the internet now. People are, like, collecting them, and, like, there's a guy that just, as a joke, will open them up and go nuts, like... Uh, Saddam Hussein rookie card? You know, like, Saddam freak out about it. Saddam rookie card. Oh, look it up. It's hilarious. Saddam Hussein rookie card! That reminds me of The Simpsons <laughs> when they were doing the Bible trading cards. Yeah, it's just like that. Oh, boy, free trading cards. Wow, Joseph of Arimathea. 26 conversions in AD 46. Whoa, a Methuselah rookie card! <laughs> well, boys, who'd have thought learning about religion could be fun? Religion? Learning? Let's get out of here! Hey! Alright, uh, on to the Iran-Contra affair. John Poindexter is found guilty of five charges of his part in the scandal. The convictions are later reversed in, in an appeal. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Look up Iran Contra Fair. We're not going to get into that one. Uh, Ryan White, who made headlines after being expelled from school for contracting AIDS, dies from the disease at the age of 18. Uh, AIDS was still a very big thing in 1990. Yeah, people just didn't know what the hell it was or like they, they how still they got know. it. Or, yeah. but, but by now, though, this was the time where, like, Reagan was finally, like, responding. Well, you know, sort of, you know. Yeah. In the last few years, he was, you know... He was admitting that, oh, we, I didn't respond fast enough, or at least, I think. Um, but it was still a huge thing. Like, even Madonna was on tour uh, in that time and just heavily speaking out against AIDS and the homophobia that went with yeah, uh, AIDS. Assumed. That was uh, the huge stigma that was behind that. And that was still a big thing. And, and Ryan White dying definitely changed a lot of people's opinions in that time. Uh, you know, they looked at that and they said, wow, you know, like, what are we? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's different time, folks. Uh, in the Philippines, uh, gunman 
Kill two United States Air Force airmen near Clark Air Base on the eve of talks between the Philippines and the United States over the future of American military bases in the Philippines. Uh, I'm not really sure about the result of that one, but that don't seem too good. <laughs> but obviously nothing happened over there, right? Uh, nothing doesn't seem like anything yeah, came of that. We didn't go to war with the Philippines. I think we just took over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, the Megaborg oil spill. Oh, it's 1990? 1990. Oh, man. Uh, I think it's, there was actually a lot of oil spills in 1990. Yeah, uh, it was definitely more prevalent back then. Uh, a lot of bands, uh, music bands, alternative rock bands, uh, the MTV crowd uh, definitely were speaking uh, about the environment at the time. Big, big thing. Is that uh, the one in the Gulf spill? And, and so there was, there's, a, there's a couple of oil spills that you, we're going to get into here. So the Megaborg, which I think is a fun, Megaborg, it's like Power Rangers, Megazord, the Megaborg oil spill Half occurred Star Trek in board. the Gulf of Mexico. That is the Gulf one, all right. Uh, roughly 50 miles off the coast of Texas when the oil tanker Megaborg caught on fire and exploded. Uh, the cleanup was one of the first practical uses of bioremediation. I thought they just used like Dove soap, clean up some ducks. That's all I remember. Yes, I'm pretty sure that this is where Dawn. Dawn, it was Dawn. Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is exactly where Dawn yeah, uh, got the, the idea. Um, it's exactly where it came from. Milking that for 33 years now. Uh, now, bioremediation uh, broadly refers to any process uh, within the biological system, typically bacteria, microalgae, fungi, and plants, living or dead. It's employed uh, for removing environmental pollutants from air, water, soil, flu gases, industrial uh, effluents, etc., in natural and artificial settings. Let's move on to the trial of Joseph Hazelwood. Now, we're on to the next one here. Uh, he's the skipper of the Exxon Valdez, begin, oh, okay. and it begins in Anchorage, Alaska here. He is accused of negligence that resulted in America's worst oil spill to date. He was using a logic to control it. He place. was actually accused of being intoxicated, which led to the incident. He also had witnesses testify that he was sober at the time of the incident, and he was convicted of a lesser charge, negligent discharge of oil, a misdemeanor. He was fined $50,000 and sentenced to 1,000 hours of community service. Well, in my opinion, the only real sale is a drunken sailor, so... Uh, you, I'll you tell you this on. right now. I did read into this, this case with this guy, and this guy, it doesn't even matter, even though he, that he got his name cleared, yeah. the jokes were all there. No. He's, he's the drunkie that, that made the oil spill, you know. I don't know. I mean, I'm picturing Jaws. And those happened on the same year, 1990? What? Both those oil spills? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, yeah. That's like, why I was yeah. like, it's a bad year for, I remember for the, the 90s, environment. It's like, I don't know. It was all. It, it was boom. definitely not a good year for the environment at all. Just finished cleanup one and they're like, oh, it's another one. And here's another one Fish and Wildlife uh, Service spot, uh, declared the spotted owl as an endangered species. Is it dead yet? You know what? I actually never got the update on that. I about to say it. Storm. Here's a sad one. Stormy Jones, the Texas girl who had been the world's first recipient of a simultaneous heart and liver transplant in 1984, dies at a Pittsburgh hospital at age 13. Ugh. So yeah, we're still working on some kinks in that one. It makes me sad, but at the same time, it is amazing. Oh, I mean, we we were able to give somebody an extra. I mean, they would have died in 1984 if they didn't have that. Yeah. So I, you know, so it's great that they got six more years in life, but at the same time, you know, I just 
technology has gotten so much better. And I'm, you know, now people who are amputated have like cyborg legs now. And, and just imagine, we're all gonna be like half human, half cyborgs. It's funny, it's like how you imagined in the 90s. So it's pretty much going on now. Cloning pieces out of nothing. Um, now, have you seen the horror movie The Fog? No. You have not seen The Fog. Okay, well, it's a John Carpenter film. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, and that's just a movie. And what was in The Fog? Uh, sailor, pirate, fisherman kind of uh, ghost ghouls that kind of came in with this fog. Now, in Tennessee, in 1990, a real-life dense fog the same overwhelms the state of Cal, uh, uh, in the interstate near Calhoun, Tennessee, damaging 99 vehicles, injuring 42 people and killing a dozen, making it one of the worst automobile accidents in American history. Real life, the fog. <laughs> the same year it came out, too. No, no. no oh. I believe it came out 10 years before that, 1980. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, 10 years later, a real life fog <laughs> killed people. One of the worst automobile accidents in history. That's, that blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, something could happen. You I mean, if you, if you sit there, fog. I mean, and they also re have remade the fog. If you, if you're one of those people like the fog, that doesn't scare me. Well, trust me, if you can't see, I like didn't that, realize the it, fog when you're was driving, remake, though, the one I that's was the scariest of. thing. I mean, I've gone through snowstorms, yeah. but not, I guess, as blinding as so, something so dense as uh, fog like that. Who knows where that came from? Look into it. Who knows? Uh, what do you say we move on to crime? Let's see. Let's start with the McMartin preschool trial. Have you heard of this one? No, actually. So there was this preschool in the 80s that was... Uh, so back in the 80s, you've heard of Satanic Panic, right? Oh, yeah. So one of the things that uh, parents, a lot of parents, had a, a huge concerns about were daycares. And a lot of they felt that a lot of daycares were... Um, part of satanic uh, cults or, uh, and doing satanic rituals with their children. Uh, so McMartin Preschool actually was accused of doing these things and all kinds of things. Uh, the accused include the preschool owner, 76-year-old Virginia McMartin, her daughter, and two grandchildren. Finding out just what happened to the McMartin preschoolers in Manhattan Beach, California, would spark a national media obsession. A case which has shocked much of Southern California and caused a lot of parents to worry about the safety of their children. Setting off a panic around the country. In alarming numbers, preschoolers have been exploited. Could it be your child? The media blitz demonstrated unstinting belief that this had happened. It was sensational and lurid and seem to always be expanding. 1,400 children in this community have been ritualistically abused. But were they? Decades later, while the McMartin case has been largely forgotten, its impact lives on. This, this trial went to, this went to trial for like several years. Uh, and it started in, I believe, 83, 84. And it ended in 1990 because they could not find the evidence of satanic abuse ritual abuse on the you children talk about it. it sounds like the, the, the salem witch trials in the 1700s like no this happened yeah this is yeah this <laughs> in is a lifetime. satanic panic folks this is exactly what you call satanic panic um yeah but nothing was ever found in in, in a, check check out the case look it up uh 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. A lot of bizarre allegations. And a lot of, uh, they were saying that kids were being coerced with their answers and they weren't uh, being consistent enough with their answers and stuff like that. So they just didn't really work out. They're going to get as tall as anything. But gonna... they spent a lot of, that was the thing that, that sucked about this is that they spent a lot of money. Yeah, like uh, six years of legal. Yeah, they spent a lot of money trying to prove that this this negligence of this uh, uh, daycare. But anyway, let's move on. James Edward Poe, I believe that's how you pronounce it, P-O-U-G-H. Sounds right. Poe, you know, uh, kills 10 and injures six before committing suicide at a General Motors car loan office in Jacksonville. Florida. Why am I surprised? Florida man. Florida man. Florida man. Florida man. Does whatever the fuck he can. All right. Here's here's an interesting piece of information that was big in the news. The Washington, D.C. mayor, Marion Barry. Marion Barry. (laughs) Marion Barry. Caught smoking crack in a sting operation. My dude. All on video. (laughs) In fact, I think he reacts. I've seen the video myself. I think he reacts like, ah, man, I knew. I knew. (laughs) Uh, I knew it was. I knew it was getting like, set oh, up. He knew, apparently, he knew, and, but he did it anyway. Um, but you know what, though, folks, I'm, that might seem bad. I won't lie. That might seem like bad. Like right away, you might be. You know, if you heard that in 1990, like, oh, that dude's done for life. That dude, like, he's just not going anywhere. Well, guess what, folks? He got reelected in 1995 yeah. to 1999. So you know what? Anybody can turn it around, folks. Mary and Barry. All right. Now here's some. Now, now we, we talked about oil spills, right? We talked about how oil spills were, you know, yeah, kind of the thing. I can't in believe they're all in one year. Well, apparently, uh, stealing art was a big thing in in uh, in 1990. So, 12 paintings, collectively worth 100 to 300 million, are stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. So, this in, is all one museum in Boston, Massachusetts. Really, by two robbers. Posing as police officers, it is the largest art theft and the largest theft of private property ever. The paintings, as, uh, still, as of now, folks, not found, have not been recovered. God damn. And there is a $10 million reward offered for any info leading to the recovery of the works of art. They ain't getting them at this point. I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it kind of makes you think, like... What is the movie for this? That sounds... I mean, incredible. there is movies for that. Is there? I mean, Based but, on that? But, but then you ask yourself, well, how did those museums get that? Well, Nicolas Cage would have found those paintings by now. Nicolas Cage would have absolutely found those. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And Ben Stiller would have protected them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, let's get on uh, to the next one. Oh, now, let's talk about some toxic relationships here. The Happy Land Fire. What is that? On March 25th, 1990, a fire broke out at the Happy Land Social Club in <laughs> Bronx, New York City. The fire... Of all places. <laughs> of all places. The fire was intentionally set by an arsonist after an argument with his ex-girlfriend who worked at the club. The fire quickly spread, and 87 people died in the tragedy, making it one of the deadliest fires in New York City's history. Yikes. I'm sitting here laughing about it, like, oh. Yeah, we're laughing about I, I know the, the Great White, was that? A, I, I have no idea there? about this, this, this the, I don't remember the, the relationship between these people, yeah. or what's going on, or what happened, or what, the, what anybody was thinking. You can, 
I mean, you already kind of have theories just thinking about, like, well, what kind of relationship was that where you needed to set fire to a club? You can't wait to get home, either. You got to do it I mean, right there I mean, my work. thought process is this guy clearly didn't like the fact that she worked at the club. Yeah. And that's it. He, he, he hated the whole it. place down. Hated it and just needed her to get out of there. Maybe he was trying to save her. I have no idea. I don't look this up, folks. I have no idea. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, in 1990, you know, here's now here's a slasher story we're going to talk about right here. Something dear um, to you. This is this is going to be some disgusting shit right here. <clears throat> 1990, Gainesville, Florida, was the site of Florida, a series of, of murders. Yes, yeah. Florida. <laughs> Florida, Florida man, Florida man does whatever the fuck he can. <laughs> and damn things change, Florida. Uh, he was known as the Gainesville Ripper, mm. okay, whose real name was Danny Rowling. He was responsible for the brutal murders of five college students over a three-day period. It stands as one of 1990's most shocking stories. 18-year-old Sonia Larson was found murdered. 17-year-old Christina Powell. 18-year-old Crystal Hoyt. Three young women, all students, have been found. There was uh, mutilation. Manny Tabot. Tracy Paulus. Brutally murdered at their apartment. They have a serial killer. Serial killer head. is on the loose. Today, people walk and wonder if he walks among them. In late August of 1990, the victims were Sonia Larson, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Tracy Paulez, and Manuel Tobata. I believe I said that, hopefully I said that right. I apologize to the victims' families for if I did not pronounce those right. Uh, the murders shot uh, the community of Gainesville and triggered a massive manhunt and investigation by law enforcement agencies. Uh, Danny Rowling was already a convicted felon. He had a troubled past of, in a history of violence. He had uh, previously served time in prison for armed robbery. Uh, the victims were targeted because they lived in off-campus housing near University of Florida. Murders were particularly gruesome, involving sexual assault, mutilation, and dismemberment. It's five, five people in three days? Like, five people in three days. That, that's... You know the time it takes to cut one cheerleader? I mean, I've never done it, but I'm assuming if you cut one, that's like a day's work, right? <laughs> but you got to average like 1.3 cheerleaders a day. Oh, my God. I'm not saying that's just kind of impressive. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I could beat that. Oh, my God. The efficiency um, tells me that, that there's more. Now, the case uh, spread widespread fear uh, and panic among the residents of Gainesville. Many students left the area. And the university took extra precautions to ensure the safety of its students. Uh, the investigation into the uh, Gainesville Ripper was one of the most extensive in Florida's history, involving multiple law enforcement, law enforcement agencies and forensic ex experts. Eventually, Danley Rowling was captured in September of 1990. That's why this is relevant. Yeah. And after, so this is when he was captured, finally. So when did it happen and when did he capture Like it was a year apart? I don't know. Stumped you on that one. I, I, you got me. You got me. But it, I, well, it happened in 1990, and he was captured in 1990. Okay, so yeah, it wasn't like it was it happened. Yeah, so it happened in the summer. It said it happened in August, and then he was later captured, I believe, in September. Okay, so yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, September. So anyway, after attempting to evade capture, the capture several weeks before that. Mm -hmm. uh, so in 1994, Danny Rowling was convicted of the murders, finally. Yeah. Uh, and was sentenced to death. And he was executed by lethal injection on October 25th, 2006. So, took a little bit to. Uh, well, nowadays it's like you're on death row forever. So, but in the 90s, like, they put you out pretty quick. I mean, do you think that long? Is there a huge wait list to die? Yeah. Like, I do not get this. <laughs> like, 
It's just is there that many people scheduled for death row? I don't know. <laughs> like you saw it is, man. Like, but in the nineties, like lot, they, they, yeah, they do. There's a lot that goes into this, and there's a reason why people sit on death row for a long time. Yeah, I'm not really gonna get into it. Uh, let's just move on to the next one. Uh, now here's another big story that was big, uh, and it actually really happened in 1989. But this, uh, the court trials and all that stuff happened in 1990 in New York City. A jury finds three teenagers guilty of raping and assaulting a woman in Central Park uh, in April of 1989. Uh, I understand that's 1989. I know we're talking about 1990, but Sometimes you got to talk about little things in the past that lead up to that year. It's good to know what happened the year before so that you can study and understand what you're... Yeah. No. Uh, anyway, let's just move on. Central Park Five uh, refers to a publicized criminal case that took place in New York City on April 19th, 1989. Uh, let's see. And there was a jogger named Trisha Miley. I'm sorry if I can't pronounce that right. Uh she was brutally assaulted and raped while running in Central Park, Manhattan. All right. Now, they're known as the Central Park Five, okay? And they all actually went to prison for about five to ten years. Uh, now, the, let's see, the five teenagers are Antron McRae, Kevin Richardson, Yusef Salam, and Raymond Santana and Corey Wise. They were all arrested and, and charged with uh, assault. The defendants aged between 14 and 16 were interrogated for several hours without their parents or legal representation. Uh, four out of five defendants provided confessions, which were later retracted. Uh, the The case was huge. It was uh, it was big uh, on the in in the media. Uh, the media was portraying the teenagers as a wolf pack, uh, response responsible for a wilding attack. Yeah. And uh, well, let's see. Because of the uh, media coverage, obviously, a lot of people believed that these these kids were one hundred percent guilty. You know, obviously, that, based uh, on the information that was given too. They, Donald Trump put out like a full page ad about them. I don't know. Don't know. I don't I know about that one. The Central Park Five were tried as adults yeah. in 1990, despite the lack of physical evidence linking them to the crime and inconsistencies in their confessions. All five defendants were convicted of various charges, including rape, assault. And robbery, uh, later down the road here, Mateus Reyes, confession and exoneration here. Uh, in 2002, Mateus Reyes, a convicted murderer and serial rapist, confessed to being the sole perpetrator of the Central Park jogger case. Reyes' DNA matched the semen found at the crime scene, and his detailed confession was consistent with the evidence subsequently the convictions of the Central Park Five were vacated and they were exonerated after spending between six to 13 years in oh, prison. Oh, man, never heard of that one. That's awful. Yeah, The fact that, dude. like, I, I don't know uh, how well they were taken care of after, but I would think that in when they did actually uh, leave prison, which I believe was later uh, in the 2000s, I would think that the internet came together and kind of said, uh, let's maybe start some kind of GoFundMe or something uh, for, you know, or I would, I would hope that they got like taken it. care of. I didn't really read too much into that, but I, I just sit there and think like, man, you did these kids wrong. You did kids wrong, man. It was like, like the prime of their lives from like 20 to 26. Like gone. they were just, and they missed all that. They, they ended up missing all that. Like that, that, Wow, man. 
Yeah. It happened like, all the time. When I was 16, man, I was I felt free. I mean, I was I was, you know, I felt like I could do anything, you yeah. know? Like I can't imagine just having that cut from me and you know, and they're not it wasn't even involved. It was one person. And they said it was just five hanging people. out in the Central Park. <laughs> but I mean, people will believe anything, especially at that time. I mean, um, in that time, gangs and the rap culture was was not was not looked at as uh, good. They, you weren't looked at as a good person if you liked rap and you took in the culture of rap, you know, yeah. of hip hop and all that stuff. Like it, you were gang related at that time. That's exactly what the perception was, especially with adults. They thought you were gang related, and and that's and the and unfortunately, um, due to stereotypes, you know, uh, these these kids ended up, you know, getting their lives ruined. I mean, I I mean I I hope they're millionaires, but <laughs> like I hope that like they sued or whoever did they got whatever they needed. Uh, anyway, let's move on here. Robert Tapper Morris Jr. is convicted of releasing the Morris worm. So this is actually the first, like, PC virus that's kind of went from computer to computer because the World Wide Web is now established. So as soon as you started connecting those things, as soon as they started as soon as, as soon as computers were connected World Wide Web style, I guess, sort of, um, yeah, the Morris Worm was released. And that was one of the very first. Uh, he actually, yeah, he, he got convicted for that. Um, so here's another big piece of um, crime news right here. Mob boss uh, of the uh, Gambino family, John Gotti. The man said to be the boss of the powerful Gambino family. His name is John Gotti. Three times police have brought charges against Gotti and three times he has beaten the rap. He's in jail tonight because police arrested him on December 11th. They're going to try again. What follows is a portrait of the man said to be the real godfather. And charged with five murders, conspiracy to commit murder, loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion. What a list. What a list indeed. Well, that's it for crime. Uh, how do you feel about the crime and history so far? Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty awful, right? Yeah, pretty awful. But that, that's a horrible year right there. That's a horrible year. Let's move on to movies. Yeah. Lowe's Theaters welcomes you to the exciting world of the movies. And now for our feature presentation. a lot of different movies that came out in 1990 um a lot of sequels. From family from action to uh family comedies to i don't even know really uh it wasn't dominated by superheroes like it is now but now in 1990 uh, in order to see a new movie what did we have to do you had to go to the movies you had to go to the movie theater all right now a lot of people don't totally go to the movie theater every every you know like like they used to but people used to go to the movie theater on the regular like it used to be a regular thing that people did and it used to be a lot cheaper too for a movie ticket i oh. think what, what were we looking at in 1990 i don't even know probably like three bucks three bucks maybe and then they had matinees were even cheaper matinees yeah so 
But if you really wanted to see a new movie, you needed to go to the movie theater or you needed to rent it uh, at a movie store. Like, you go to a store and... There was no, like, blockbuster video at that time. It was, like, mom and pa, like... Rental places. Well, there's Blockbuster Video in 1990. Oh, we absolutely do. Absolutely? Absolutely do. Okay, Renting else? has been around since the early 80s, at least. No. Yes. Yes, ever since VHS. I remember going to, like, the grand opening of... Maybe uh, uh, of maybe that one in your in your town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe some maybe some guy is. bought, you know, a piece of the franchise and was like, oh, here's my own store. Yeah, and, awesome. you, got, and you got his store. Yeah, but the, the thing is, you had to go to a store... You can't like we stream movies now. Like we, we sit down at our couch and we say, "Oh, I want to watch this movie." But in order for us to do that in 1990, we had to go to a store, and if the movie had to, I've already gone through the theaters because if you're not going to go to the movie theaters, that was your next option. Was, it was a long was turnover too. It was like two years until like the VHS, or maybe six a year. months. But yes, usually a, a year. Usually a year, and that's kind of that's the thing is whatever movie was in uh, theaters the year before, chances are were the, the, were the movies that you were going to watch, uh, you know, in the video store because it went on video. Yeah. Like, now, now people could have the, the movie at home. People could watch it anytime they wanted if they wanted to, to buy the VHS. Um, now, uh, one of some of the movies that we probably would have watched in 1990 or we would have guaranteed rented, The Hot Rental, Batman. Guaranteed 1990. in 1990. Because, I mean, everyone saw it in 1989. But when it came, I guarantee it was out on video either right before 1990 or in 1990. And that's when everybody was like, oh, I got to get me a piece of this Batman. Great movie. Everybody loves it. Yeah, the VHS um, is everywhere. The black it box was a fun was everywhere. In fact, people it? are so obsessed with that Batman VHS. People are obsessed with the Diet Coke commercial with Alfred before it. Like, the people love that VHS so much. It was a huge deal. Everybody rented it. Hello. Gotham Corner Store? Yes. We seem to be down to our last diet cook. A gentleman is on his way to pick some up. Just look for a black car. No. This black car will be rather difficult to miss. And by the way, the gentleman is usually in quite a rush. So to to bring it back to the rental thing here, when a new movie came out, there was a whole wall that was dedicated to basically like just tons of copies of of a movie just on the wall. And you had to find a, you know, a a tape behind the cover. Yeah. You had to find, you know, that was it was kind of like almost like an Easter egg hunt. You had to be like, okay, is there a tape behind this movie that I want to see? Yes, awesome. I'll go, go rent it, bring it to the, the counter. It was just like the library, except it was the video library. Anyway, let's not get too into talking about the video store. Uh, let's talk about the movies that happened. Ghost. As we say farewell to our friend, Sam Wheat. It's like I can still feel you. If you can't believe what you hear... I get a message from Sam. Sam's dead what you see Sam was not just accidentally killed I was murdered then trust what you feel I'd give anything if I could just touch you once more you will believe Ghost rated PG-13 now playing at theaters have you seen Ghost? absolutely you've seen Ghost with Patrick Swayze this is my mother's favorite movie 
Of course it is. <laughs> she absolutely loves this movie. My mom is one of those. This is one of those movies where my mom believes in angels and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, so she's she one. So this movie one hundred one hundred percent speaks to her. Uh, it's a true and, story. Uh, she, you know, she cries every time at the end. I'm sorry, mom. I didn't mean to tell tell people that, but you know, I think what's funny is I don't think I ever would have seen this movie unless if it was for my mom. Yeah, um, no, I was stuck she, watching this randomly. Times. I saw. I, I don't know who bought it for her. I think it was somebody bought her the VHS, and I was like, oh, this movie. All right, let's check it out. Let's see what it is. It's actually not bad. It's not a bad film. However, it can be corny at times. How could I forget about the demons at the end of Ghosts? that take Willie and Carl to hell. And it's actually frightening because these demons are made out of the shadows that we see on the streets, right? And the noise that they make is, fun fact, is actually slow down baby cries. And when you listen to slow down baby cries, apparently it's uh, frightening. <laughs> and they really are a frightening sound. Take a listen. Home Alone came out in 1990. Now that movie is huge, still loved today, and it's regarded as one of the greatest Christmas classics. Like America grew up on this. Absolutely. And it's been like, what, already 30 years? The movie's already more than 30 years old. You know, I mean, everybody loves the movie. Home Alone, the most popular comedy of all time. Yes, 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 yes. Rated PG, now playing at theaters everywhere. One thing I can definitely say about it, though, is it may be a ripoff uh, of another film. Uh, and there's this film called Dial Code Santa, or also known as Deadly Games. And it's a French film. It's a French horror film, actually. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and um, there's actually records of uh, John Hughes uh, in France, around the time that this movie premiered, the movie is about uh, this kid who is—he's dressed like Solid Snake. I don't know why. He—he's just really into like the whole army secret agent kind of thing going on. But he literally, like to a T, reminds me of Solid Snake, even down to the hairstyle. And he's—he's—he's um, he's, he's a smart kid. He, he's actually good with computers, or at least some—he—he's able to hack into some like mall computer. Or whatever, and like, because it's like one of those. I don't know. He's he's just really smart, and it fools. He, he somehow trick. I don't know. He like, I don't. I've only seen this movie like once. He like tricks like this kind of like lonely vagrant kind of guy who kind of looks like Santa Claus, and he ends up taking on the persona of Santa Claus, and he tries to kill this kid, and the kid traps his house. Uh, against this killer Santa. Santa. It's, we're talking killer Santa versus a kid. And this movie came out in 1989. I, and, it's, and it's actually been proven. So suppose, I don't know. It's been proven that yeah. John Hughes was in France at this time. The movie that this was, movie was, 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 was released. And they, he may have taken that idea and brought it to America with the whole, oh, let's just put a family you know, comedy twist on this and make it, you know, appropriate for everybody or whatever. Because yeah. Deadly Games is rated R. And it's not, like, it's definitely not appropriate for kids whatsoever. But Home Alone is. 
So, but that's what filmmakers did all the time. That's not unheard of for yeah. for filmmakers to take well, an idea that already exists and just basically say, though? "Yeah, <laughs> let's just let's just do this. Let's just let's just let's just take this great idea." You know, there's so many different movies that have just been copied a million times because this is, it's a money maker. You know, when James Bond was, was a thing, there were so many secret agent movies. You know, yeah. Uh, let's see, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Uh, Julia Roberts is a hooker that got very lucky. And I officially have Roy Robinson stuck in my head now. Cause and, and by hooker, I mean sex worker, because that apparently is the thing that we say these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what's funny about that is that Richard Gere gets lost in the wrong part of town. And he gets lost. What, you couldn't do that today. Like, you would just be like, oh, let me just get on my GPS and get the hell out of this freaking town. Right. But because of not having this technology, uh, he found himself lost, picked up Julia Roberts, and uh, actually bought her for a couple of nights or a week or something like that. That's what I remember, I think. And then they fall in love. How sweet. What a great story. So many women love this movie. Right. I do not understand. You just described it like that's horrifying. Like, no, like, that was a feel good. Is the fantasy security, is that what it is? That's what it is, isn't it? It's the. <laughs> I just want Richard Gere and I want to make pottery with Patrick Swayze. And they're getting together in Beverly Hills. Nobody came trouble bringing me in here. Now their lives. Flipping little suckers. And that city. Everybody are gone. Will never be the same again. Well, there's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. Richard Gere, Julia Roberts. <laughs> Pretty Woman, rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. And Dances with Wolves. Uh, I think that was the Academy Award winner that year. Right was there? it? Or, well, I don't know if they um, won that year. I think they, you know, usually goes a year after. I feel like Gremlins 2 was snubbed, but okay. Uh, yeah, Grem- Gremlins 2 will be. We'll, we'll get to Gremlins 2. Um, Dances with Wolves on there. Total Recall. 1990. One of Arnold's greatest films. I think that movie is one of the best sci-fi films I've ever seen. Should have never been remade. No. never. I, in fact, I never even saw the remake. Okay? I, I saw maybe the trailers, and I remember thinking, I tell you the truth, I don't even remember the trailers. That's how much I wanted to keep it out of my brain because Total Recall, the original with Arnold Schwarzenegger, is absolute. It's it's still one of the best movies. It's I'm, I'm still glad so they good for its it time. One movie though, I'm glad they didn't sequel the hell of it. Or it's just perfect. What's great about that is I still go back and forth with that movie. I don't want to tell you about it. if you have not seen Total Re- uh, Recall. I would totally, you know, that make that a movie uh, to watch tonight or something. Because I still debate whether or not. It was real or not, not real. What was real? What wasn't real? You yeah. know, and that is something that you will find yourself discussing or actually saying. Well, I think it's this. You'll have an opinion. It's great. I think it's a good story. It's got a lot of uh, obviously outdated things too in there, uh, but there's some graphics recently, in there. Yeah, I remember like the head split the fire just blew my mind as a kid. Well, yeah, you can see that that's now outdated graphics right there, yeah. but at the same time, uh, how about when he was out on Mars without the helmet? And his head expands. Oh my God. <laughs> it is frightening. It is like CG, garbage so pale kids that, frightening. Like for reals. That was all practical effects. That was all bladders. This summer, invest in your seatbelts and hold on to your hats. Total Recall is the thrill ride of the summer. Prepare to be blown away. Total Recall, rated R, now playing at a theater near you. 
Now, here's one that came out in 1990, Back to the Future 3. The third one came out. The third one came out in 1990. I don't hate it, but it is the worst one of the, of I the three. I remember very little about it. It's absolutely the Wild West. awful. I'm going back to 1885, and I'm bringing you home. Welcome to the rousing conclusion of Back to the Future. Doc's trapped in the past. What kind of a future do you call that? And there's only one man who can save him. What's your name, dude? Clint Eastwood. What kind of stupid name is that? Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis present Back to the Future Part 3. Where'd you learn to shoot like this? 7-Eleven. Rated PG. Starts Friday, May 25th at theaters everywhere. Well, you see, here's the thing. I like the continuation of the story of the fact that they go to the Old West, all that stuff, you know, that they're in another time, but it is still Hill Valley, all that stuff. But they recycle the same jokes. Like, you can oh, get yeah. away with, these, with doing recycling in part two because they were clever. There was something clever about them. They expanded on the original jokes that were found in the, in the original movie. But when they did it in the third one, you're just like, ugh, stop. Yeah. Just stop. Just stop this. And they did. They stopped. Yeah, they, they well, did they stop it. However, and... they, they did have a, uh, a sequel game that continued on. It was basically Back to the Future 4. And I don't know if you've ever played Back to the Future the game. It came out on PS4, I think. Or, or they A recent one? Back to the Future the game. Yeah. Yeah, it came out. I think it came out on PS4, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, you could. That was basically a point and click kind of game. And it was basically the sequel to the Back to the Future trilogy. It, just, it was a continuation. They go all the way bound back to uh, Prohibition. On the way. Uh, um, I remember the Super Nintendo game that was terrible. Where you're on a horseback and you, you just can't uh, get past the first level. Well, we'll we will the uh, get to that. Video games. We, we, we will get to the video game part there. Uh, Die Hard 2 came out. Die Harder. Die Harder, yes. <laughs> on a plane. The critics are blown away by Die Hard 2. Siskel calls it the best film of the summer. Tremendous. More nerve-tingling excitement than any movie in memory. Relentless entertainment that grabs you and never lets go. Four stars. Prepare to be blown through the back wall of the theater. Again. It's awesome. Die harder. Now the summer really begins. Rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Uh, presumed Innocent with Harrison Ford. Uh, another Arnold movie, Kindergarten Cop. Yes, Arnold, all over the place. Two movies in one year. They're wild. They're uncontrollable. They're unusual. Our mom says that our dad is a real sex machine. But they're about to meet their new teacher. Shut up! What's the matter? Oh, I have a headache. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kindergarten Cop, from Ivan Reitman, rated PG-13. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. See, and, and this was kind of, Kindergarten Cop was kind of like the start of Arnold's family, family kind of, uh, you know, family movie career. Like, you know, like this, this, I feel like stuff like this kind of led to like Jingle All the Way. Yeah. You know, where he started doing the family thing. Uh, and a lot of action stars do, started doing family stuff, or people that shouldn't be doing family stuff did family stuff. You never thought it would work, but I mean, it eventually worked. Ice Cube did family shit. Yeah. But what was Ice Cube doing in 1990? We'll get to it. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Yes. Now, VHSs that were everywhere. VHSs were everywhere. Now you can take the hippest film of the year home for keeps. Awesome! Because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie is on video cassette for just $24.99. Righteous! And it only gets better because each video comes with coupons for over $20 worth of food and drinks from Pizza Hut. I love being a turtle! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie. Get them while they're hot. Available at Kmart. Um, this movie was actually because I was six years old. This was actually the first movie I went to go see in movie theaters. Really? My my older sister is like fourteen years older than me. Um, she was a high school graduate in '88, um, so she was like in her early twenties by, by this time. Yeah. And she took me to go see this movie. Me, uh, my brother, and I. Um, my brother fell asleep halfway through the movie, but man. I will never forget, like, whoa, this movie is dark. I remember actually being uncomfortable with some of the city shots because I was like, man, I don't want to live there. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, this is like, there's all this crime and, like, I'm going to get hurt and all that stuff. And, and it just, it actually had, like, this level of, like, intensity that the cartoon just absolutely, because like, I watched the cartoon at that time thinking, like, this is all nice yeah. compared to... Pizza time, Kalabunga, all that. Yeah. Like, no, this like, is more this... like the comic book, which was... And, man, what a build-up to the reveal of those turtles yeah. jumping out from the sewers there, like, or, like, you know, from one of the corners of the sewer to, like, reveal themselves in the light. Man, that was so cool. They look so real. They look better and... in the first one than they did in the other two movies, which is weird, but... Yeah, they, look, they looked way more real, and they used their weapons... That's the only t- uh, movie that they do use their yep. weapons, I think. Um, they, in the second one, they definitely don't use their the weapons at all. Was the first one that Jim Henson did? Jim, so, Jim Henson died that year, too, by yeah. the way, in 1990. But that was like one of his last... That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Henson's workshop. But okay, yeah. yes. But it was definitely... But then they outsourced it to wherever after the, the third know. one, and yeah. it looked awful. Yeah, it's... I don't hate Secret of the Ooze. I don't hate it, but yeah. like... But it's not the first movie. The first movie is just so... Oh, I don't know how to describe good. it. It's just so good. It's just so right. It just seems like it's like if you were going to do a real movie about if Ninja Turtles existed, you know, this is it right here. This is... I mean, and I think they did such a good job. How about... <laughs> here's another movie that came out. Uh, Dick Tracy. Do you remember that one? Vaguely. Critics agree. Dick Tracy is this summer's must-see movie. Time Magazine says Warren Beatty creates the best comic strip movie yet. It's great movie making. Gene Shalit proclaims Dick Tracy is a triumph. A visually stunning film that is a joy to behold. A lavishly eye-popping day-glow gangster movie hails Entertainment Weekly. And Siskel and Ebert proclaim Dick Tracy extraordinary and wonderfully original. Two thumbs up. Warren Beatty is Dick Tracy. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. Who's the main villain? Al Pacino. Pacino. As, as, as uh, Big Boy. Big Boy, thank you. Yeah, he... <laughs> this all movie. the horrible like, uh, prosthetics that they all wore. Everybody had basically a rubber mask. You know, that's funny. I actually did see an ad uh, scrolling through uh, trying to look up stuff for the show. I did see that there were a bunch of toys or like what you could actually yeah, buy rubber masks and they were actually the... creepy rubber masks. Yeah. Like they, You looked like you could rob a bank with these things. I remember the merchandise more than I remember the movie. I remember that the toy like spoils the movie if you got the the action. Oh, is that the, so? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. You got the main uh, villain. He pulled. Oh, the, breathless. That's right. If you yeah. got the breathless uh, figure, yeah, it's they Madonna gave that away. There, no go. kidding. Um, wow, that's 
that's kind of messed up. I do remember McDonald's doing a scratch, scratch and win game. I remember how big that was. That was a big thing. It's not just a game. It's a mystery. An adventure. It's you against Bruneface, Influence, Itchy, and a motley crew of criminals in McDonald's Dick Tracy Crime Stopper game. Solve crimes. Catch crooks. Collect rewards like food or cash up to a million bucks. Dick Tracy, the movie is in theaters. I'm on my way. The game is at McDonald's. Um, yeah, they had a, th there was a Nintendo game. Dick Tracy was big. Dick Tracy was a big, big deal. And they put a lot, I think they put a lot of, I thought it was creative because it made it look like a comic. Yeah. It really did look like a live action comic, or at least that's what they were trying to do. But here's some funny information. I'm glad I put off doing this podcast for a long time because I would have never known this story until now. So this is a great story. In 1990, right, Warren Beatty made a Dick Tracy movie, right? We just said that. Yeah. But no one would let him make another one. And he even and they even tried to do a TV show without him. So he got mad, right? And he decided to find a loophole in his contract and get decades of petty revenge. Now, let's, now every couple of decades, he, he, he does this thing where he makes a no-budget 20-minute something whatever uh, TV special where he complains to Leonard Malton while wearing <laughs> his old costume. <laughs> what? And he releases it unannounced in the middle of the night on Turner Classic Movies, right? Yeah. So crazy. the last one he just did, he did, re did recently. Um, I forgot. What, it was either last year or the year before. Okay, so the last one he did recently. Uh, I'm not sure if it was actually last year or the year before that. Um, but yeah, he, he premiered his new one. It was called Dick Tracy Zooms In. And he's all on YouTube or something? You can actually I, I don't know if you can, but uh, he didn't even sh uh, have to show up on set, right? <laughs> so um, he, But however, he has gone to court, right, to make sure that these all legally count as sequels and thus renew his rights to the character. He does this solely so that no one can legally use the character for anything. You know, does anybody really want that? The character is eighty-five years old at uh, doing this. <laughs> uh, so, so because of this new special, right? Yeah. It makes the character his until twenty twenty-seven. <laughs> so when Dick Tracy goes into public domain in twenty twenty-seven, if he dies then, then in twenty twenty-seven. Um, that's when, that's when we'll see something new in Dick Tracy land here. Taped a bunch in advance just so I can put them out like post-mortem. Now, the person that wrote the, this info, or at least this, this was a, I actually found this on a post. So I, this, this isn't, I don't know how entirely accurate it is. I'm sure I could look it up and find out. But I just thought it was such a great story anyway that I just had to, you know, talk about it. But this guy says, this is art. This is some A-plus Andy Kaufman-level trolling. I will never watch either of these specials because the whole point is that they are unwatchable, low effort, and awful enough to be the middle finger to some bean-counting whipper-snapper who made Warren Beatty mad in the 90s, but I am so happy they exist. I'd rather know that these bird flips by an old man taking a grudge to the grave are in the world that are in the world than Dick Tracy, Disney Plus show starring Chris Pratt. <laughs> Sorry. 33 years of a grudge. Years, man. Years. Years. Just... Uh, we're looking at, what, 33 years now? Yeah. And no, so if you've ever no asked insight. yourself, 
why there's no Dick Tracy anything, this is it right here, folks. <laughs> now, uh, this is apparently why. This is why you get no dick. Now, let's talk about a movie that was uh, just brutalized by the critics that could have been a really good uh, ending to a, an amazing trilogy. You know what? I think you might know what I'm talking about. Godfather Part 3. A lot of people... Have you never seen The Godfathers? Not even one. Not even one. I did not care for The Godfather. What? Did not care for The Godfather. Uh, How can you even say that, Dad? Didn't like, didn't like it. Peter, it's so good. Uh, it's like the perfect movie. I, this is what everyone always says. Whenever they say, oh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I, I mean, you listen. never see... Robert Duvall! I, no, I, no, fine, fine actor. Did not like the movie. Okay, well, that's okay. I've that's heard okay. of it. I, uh... <laughs> I'm horrified, but, but that's I fine. I do know um, about the third one something. and why it was terrible. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, Godfather 3 is regarded as the most awful one because of the director's daughter. Straight up Francis nepotism. Ford Coppola directed these movies, and he directed the third one, but he put his daughter, Sofia Coppola, who is also a director, by the way, uh, directs a whole lot of indie stuff, art house kind of stuff. I don't care to watch him. I don't really, not really, I don't think there's one movie that I've ever been interested in, but I do know that she is a director. She was in this movie, and a lot of people critiqued her acting, like, harshly. Rightfully so. Like, I've seen it, but I've seen the clips of... It's pretty why bad. Why not to watch this movie? Now, I know that we got a bad ending to the Godfather trilogy. We, we, we you know, may not be what you wanted. Well, what trilogy does stick the landing, though, honestly? Not a lot. I, there's a, there's, there, there's one's like, ah, oh, it was fine. But there's none that's like, this is perfect, like three. Well, I mean, Evil Dead. Yeah. I, I mean, if you, if well, you count, there but then, but, there, but some people two. will say it's um, now an anthology, but I feel that, you know, those Evil Dead 1, 2, and 3 are, that's a trilogy. I mean, they might not be 100% connected. You still have to kind of connect them a certain way. Yeah. However, I do think that that is a, that is a good trilogy. But then again, Ash vs. Evil Dead continues on that story, so it kind of stops being a trilogy after that. I don't know. You're right. Who does have the most perfect trilogy? We don't know. But Godfather 3 could have been a much better... was almost there, so yeah. I guess. Uh, but you know what we did get? We got a much better gangster movie in 1990, and I'm talking about Goodfellas. From Taxi Driver to Raging Bull, he looked inside a world few had ever seen. Did you know how these people live? <laughs> now, director Martin Scorsese brings the underworld to life. I don't know if I could live like that. Rex Reed calls Goodfellas great entertainment. One of Scorsese's best films ever. Big, rich, powerful, and explosive. Goodfellas, rated R, starts Friday, September 21st at a theater near you. Oh, man. Robert De Niro, Joe, Joe Pesci, Ray Lee fucking Oda, man. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. The most gift laugh ever is Ray Liotta to laugh. Uh, that, yeah, that, you, you see that gif on the <laughs> internet all the time. Even if you don't know it, but as a kid. Oh, it's a, that gif of Ray Liotta laughing his ass off. That, it's, a, it's an incredible movie. Martin Scorsese directs it. It's, it's an incredible film. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but however, there is this one scene that I laugh at every single time, and that's when Robert De Niro is in uh, in the, this one club or something like that, and he's gonna beat up this guy at the bar. And the way that they're like, the way he kicks 
in that scene just looks so weird and kind of like flimsy and kind of girly. You're I don't like, know. You're raging bull, dude. Maybe, what the? F- <laughs> maybe that's my my perception. But I look at it over and over again. I go, why does that look so weird when he does that? That see, doesn't got, look I gotta, genuine. I gotta watch it again now just to see what. You, but I, I kind of remember it. Here's another movie that people don't want to talk about: Rocky Five. Sometimes you just got to go for it. Why don't you try knocking me down? Let's do it. Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Five, rated PG-13. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Never happened. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> Never happened. Rocky Five did not happen. Let's just move on to the Tommy uh, the machine gun. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, so Prince actually made a directorial debut. Now he was obviously coming off the success of the Batman soundtrack. I mean, the hype surrounding Batman definitely put money in Prince's pocket, but he decided to do a directorial debut of a movie called Graffiti Bridge, and it bombed. Absolutely bombed. The motion picture only Prince could do. Prince, Morris Day, Jerome Benton and the Time, Mavis Staples, Kevin Campbell, Ingrid Chavez. Graffiti Bridge, rated PG-13, starts Friday, November 2nd at a theater near you. Nobody was interested in what Prince had to do, uh, to give us. I like Prince. I like to listen to Prince. I don't want to watch Prince. You don't want to watch Prince. <laughs> Five minute music video, fine, but like an hour um, and a half of Prince. Uh, well, let's let's move on here. There's a Andrew Dice Clay movie that I think is actually pretty cheesy and pretty funny. I think you might enjoy it. It's uh, the Adventures of Ford Fairline. Fan from MTV. I'm sorry that I made you clean the toilets and the bathtubs. I mean, who did all the work in bed? Censored on Saturday Night Live. Prophylactics cost money. America's number one comedian can't be stopped. Another satisfied customer. Andrew Dice Clay is Ford Fairlane, the private dick. What? In the public eye. (laughs) Oh! Rated R. Starts Friday, July 13th at theaters everywhere. I've never heard of this one. You've never heard of this one? I would definitely check it out. Definitely, if you're looking for something just silly, uh, just ridiculous comedy, I would check out Andrew Dice Clay in um, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Uh, Lauren Hawley is in it. She is an absolute smoke show in that movie. She looks great. Is he Andrew Dice Clay in the movie, or is it just... Oh, he's in the movie, yeah, it's hilarious. that character. Oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I, 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 I liked it for what it was. I think it's a hilarious movie. Um, so... What was the worst movie, really? I was going to say what's worse, but you didn't see uh, Godfather, so I can't say. <laughs> um, but would, would you say Rocky Five was the worst for you? Probably. Yeah, you'd say Rocky Five. And a bunch of disappointing sequels that year. That was the worst one. I mean, there's a ton of awful sequels. Robocop I mean, that was the thing. Two was I think Hollywood year? at that time, I'm pretty sure, it was just running out of ideas, and it was just, it was sequel, just sequel City yeah, in the it, 90s. Lazy sequels, where it's like yeah. Die Hard, but on a plane instead of a building. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Robocop, but it's a let's different... just change location. Let's yeah. just do this because people liked this. Therefore, this is going to work. And that now that that was kind of the thing in the '80s was doing sequels. Uh, you know, because that it was a brand new concept in the late '70s and early '80s. Like at, people were just like, you know, like they didn't see many many sequels till the '80s. Like you saw, finally, you saw things like you know, you saw Rocky Two, Halloween Two, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, which then had many, many sequels. 